Hi guys, welcome to Jules and Phoebe, the bi-weekly pop culture and social commentary podcast brought to you by yours truly, Jules and Phoebe. Hello everybody, all of our listeners, <laughs> missed you, hi. We missed you, thank you so much for all of your feedback on the Royal Special. That was probably one of my favourite episodes to record, I have to say. Yeah, one of my favourite episodes to record and really enjoyed the feedback we have received. Some people were triggered, (laughs) highly triggered. We did not convince some of you. Yeah, we didn't convince some of you. But I think for me, what was great, a friend of mine left some feedback and she said that the episode was a great example of how to agree to kind of disagree because there were areas in which we disagreed yes yeah yeah yeah. no absolutely i think the thing is it was also so great to hear your thoughts some of you were kind of messaging us as you were listening to it which was really enjoyable Mm. to hear you kind of make your way through the various aspects we discussed one of my friends actually messaged me and said i didn't know anything about the affair which obviously as you yourself said julia phoebe's favorite part (laughs) phoebe just wants to talk about prince william's affairs (laughs) Buckingham Palace are watching me but yeah thank you so much it was so fun to do that because as we said ourselves like it's a topic we're particularly interested in and there have been developments since so when last we spoke the call hadn't been made with any kind of finality but shortly after we released the episode it was yeah so shortly after we released the episode Harry and Meghan announced that you know they will be stepping down and stepping away and moving to Canada they will not be representing her majesty you know some negotiations have happened they're going to pay back any money that was used to renovate their home and some other things were negotiated when we did our episode last week one of the points I was making was that you know if it's so awful you know why don't you just leave right which is harsh heard you which is harsh but uh, somebody made that point to me And I felt like it was a valid point, Mm. you know, and I really respect Harry and Meghan for being bold enough to walk away. Yeah. I think it takes so much courage and I really respect the fact that they've decided to walk away. What are your thoughts on that? I agree. I think that it was probably not the outcome that they had wanted in the initial stages. I think that they would have been happy to do a kind of a part time royals thing i do think it was the right call i think certainly the queen's behavior subsequently has really reiterated to me that it was the right call absolutely andrew's back in the fold yeah he's been a tower of support so it's good that what we couldn't handle at all was a biracial woman marrying into the royal family and touching her pregnancy bump but the (laughs) trafficking of underage girls to sleep with the queen's second youngest son is all good all royal good. seal of approval <laughs> all good in the hood he's been rolled back out yeah and we love to see it <laughs> yeah but that's why you know I, looking back now i think that having a model of oh 50 50 yeah it wouldn't have worked it wouldn't have worked and i mm-hmm. don't feel that model works in life like i don't think you can really be one foot in and one foot out of this type of institution Yes, it, it it's an all-consuming institution, so it's not like a work-life balance because in that instance, your life is your work and your work is your life. So you, you would never be able to probably step back with the degree that they would want to be able to. And we touched on as well the financials of the situation. You probably would never have been able to definitively 
earn an honest buck, which is mm-hmm. what they said was very important to them. So I personally wish them all the best. Yeah, I think, you know, we definitely wish them all the best. I think this is actually the best outcome. I think it's such a missed opportunity for the royal family. I agree. Like, this is just I, like... It's depressing. It's so depressing. I feel it was such a missed opportunity for the royal family. And I, I feel it was... a. I mean, the Queen did make a statement of, yeah, you know, I love them. They'll always be my family type of thing. But I felt like... Where are your parents? Like, where's Prince Charles? Yes. Where, where, where's the future king? Like, where are they? Like, what is going Very on? interesting. Nobody showed any support. We mentioned ourselves that there were so many aspects that we didn't get to touch on in last week's episode. One of them was actually, there have been statements released from Buckingham Palace about Kate not having Botox. Like, they have no issue in coming out and being like, What's been published in the Mail on Sunday or the Daily Mail or the Sun or whatever is absolutely false. Beautiful, darling Kate Middleton has never had any kind of fillers or injections or anything like that. She doesn't even wear hair extensions. That was another statement that was released by Buckingham Palace. So in that instance, and I'm sure I linked in the show notes as well, I'm sure at this point our listeners, if they're interested, will have seen the comparison between Kate's coverage and Meghan's coverage but that is a very very tangible example of you are very happy to jump to the defense of one of these princes wives and clarify the most mundane of details I couldn't give a shit if Kate Middleton has Botox good for her she does but where are you when it comes to defending Meghan Markle yeah and that's the the important silence from everyone um so that's why i say good for them yeah i do too and i think they'll do great things or i hope that they will do great things i mean someone said on twitter recently even the tourism dollars for canada will pay for their even if it were the case that canada ended up cooping some of the cost for their security which i don't believe they are going to yeah but the tourism dollars alone that Canada are set to generate off the back of Harry and Meghan locating there will more than compensate for it, I believe. Yeah, meanwhile, we've got meanwhile, Brexit. <laughs> meanwhile, we've got week. Andrew and Brexit. So <laughs> got Brexit this week. Could not look better. Yeah, I also think in terms of the Meghan and Harry situation, you know, life is too short for you to live your life for other people. Mm-hmm. And I think that's really drilled home by the death of Kobe Bryant, his daughter. And I think there were seven other people on yeah, the helicopter. Yeah, so seven of seven other people on the helicopter with them, including three other kids that were on the basketball team with Gigi, Kobe's daughter. And, you know, that really, really, really shocked me. I don't know if you know who Kobe Bryant is. I do, and yeah, I'm... I'm I just assume, because I, I mean, I can't assume. What, that I do know or that I don't yeah, know? Yeah. All right, okay, so... <laughs> so that's what I'm asking, because I can't assume everybody, like, knows him. No, although if you went on social media, I think that you would be forgiven for thinking that everybody knows him, even people that you wouldn't have necessarily expected to, and I think that Well, that, he's a legend, though. Yeah, but I, I don't know. I guess it's one of those things where you... It's part of social media, it's part and parcel people sharing outpourings of grief for someone that you wouldn't have necessarily thought that they knew or were interested in or had like exposure to the universe in which they operated yeah and I think when something like this happens you don't realize 
like Kobe Bryant is not somebody that I would think about on a daily basis. Mm-hmm. But Kobe Bryant is definitely somebody that I admire. You know, when I think about being a teenager, like one of the first items of clothing I bought for myself was a Lakers jersey. You're joking I'm me. not joking. I can think of nothing I would picture you in less. That is crazy. Oh my gosh, yeah. How funny. Yeah, that was one of the first things I bought for myself. I was very trendy. <laughs> <laughs> I was very trendy when I was a teenager. And so, yeah, and so I definitely follow like Kobe, his career. And so it's just so, so sad that he passed away in such a tragic way. Yes, absolutely. Really, really, really sad. Like me and my husband have really been like following like every day. Like we can't get over it. We come home and we're still talking about it. Right. So it's really, really affected us. Mm-hmm. And Kobe's an interesting character because Kobe's not someone who... You don't sit there and think, oh, Kobe's just like a nice guy or Kobe's like the likable guy. But Kobe definitely, I don't know if you've seen interviews with him. He's somebody who has such a, had such a presence. Mm -hmm. You couldn't help but respect him and admire him. Yeah, I mean, and obviously, I guess, based on the eulogies that are being given, he clearly had a longevity to him. Mm -hmm. And uh, absolutely, yeah. A magnetism that that attracted people. I mean, I can't imagine how awful this is for his poor wife who has been with him since she was 17. Yeah. So awful, awful, awful. And then what's even worse in terms of when you think about the family is that it was TMZ that broke the story. Yes. Oh my goodness. And they broke the story apparently, allegedly before the family knew officially. Oh my God. What happened. And then so people were sending Vanessa Bryant like condolences and it hadn't even been confirmed officially. And so that's the, basically the world that we live in. So TMZ, like, have a network. TMZ are a scourge. I don't know how into celebrity gossip TMZ you are. TMZ have a serious network in the police, ambulance, etc. They sell the story. Even with certain families. I mean, it's well known that the Kardashians, for example, will use TMZ as a mouthpiece. Various celebrities. But that's different. Will... If you use them, them as a mouthpiece, that's very different. No, no, of course. But what I mean is like when an unnamed source says something, it'll be a story that someone has planted. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, like, but that's the... very different to what I'm saying. What I'm saying is that they have networks. So let's say with Michael Jackson, for example, mm-hmm. like they reported the story because they have connections. I see. I'm so sorry. I misunderstood. In yeah, hospitals, they you. have connections. People are selling those stories Yeah. before families even get the news. You know what that speaks to as well? How poorly we pay those services that people would be looking for other ways to generate income. I, mean, I don't know. I don't know because apparently in the US, public services are, they're paid. Yeah, like but police how are much not, debt have you had to accrue are not before struggling. you can... I don't think it's about that. I think it's just about capitalism. Like the TMZ is a we need it first by any means necessary God. media outlet. They get down and dirty. That's just the TMZ culture. Mm. And so I think it's terrific what's happened in terms of like you finding out that your husband and your daughter have died through yes. social media. No, absolutely. Like, that's absolutely horrific. And it's also interesting with the whole, like, Kobe Bryant thing, because in 2003, Kobe was accused of sexual assault. And so it's interesting, you know, online, because you have people like me who really admired Kobe, are grieving that Kobe's passed away, really sad 
that he also lost his daughter and he had a really special relationship with Gigi as well. Like she was going to be like the biggest thing in women's basketball that the world had ever seen. Like she was a talent too. And then so because he was accused of sexual assault in 2003, eventually this case was settled outside of court. Basically, there was backlash online with this journalist. So people, you can give, oh, yes. us, give us some insight into that <laughs> because I, I, I know that you were supporting this journalist. Well, it's an interesting, I mean... This is, I guess, a bit of a segue from the initial story. But ultimately what happened was that a Washington Post journalist tweeted a link to a Daily Beast article, which had been written by another journalist, I think three plus years prior, which talked about that sexual assault. And I guess my feelings on this are complex. But ultimately, as soon as this journalist from the Washington Post tweeted this article she immediately began receiving death threats from people who were not happy that someone was maybe disputing the deification of this man who had just died what happened then was that she shared the screenshots of some of those death threats that she had received at this point she was at a hotel because the people who were sending her death threats on Twitter had found her address. So she couldn't go back to her own home. She then was placed on administrative leave for sharing the tweets with those death threats in them because she revealed the names of the members of the public, basically, who were sending her those death threats. Subsequently, I think that there was a bit of a backlash to the backlash in terms of should or shouldn't that journalist have lost have been placed on excuse me administrative leave for doxing basically or revealing the names of the people who were sending her twitter threats now i think that that's i don't think that's the story i think the story is from a cancel culture perspective basically my understanding is kobe bryant dies before the body's cold this journalist is sending a link to this article where kobe was accused of sexual assault Mm. right so why is she doing that in that moment but regardless of whether or not you are questioning her motivations for doing so those are the facts that that is why the washington post released a statement to say that is why she'd been placed on administrative leave yeah now what i think is interesting is when we're talking about tmz being the scourge and this new way of kind of gathering news and needing to be the first and doing so by any means necessary as unscrupulous as those methods are i think that it the terrain of how we absorb news has changed is so kind of malleable and is toxic in a lot of ways. Now, before we go back to your point about why is she sharing that link so so soon after the death, does someone who's sending death threats in that capacity deserve the anonymity of having people not find out that they're the kind of person who sends a journalist death threats on Twitter? But, but that's the thing. Like for me, they're two separate issues because the issue that I would like to talk about is you've got somebody like Kobe who you know no one's 100% perfect I'm not justifying anything that he's done but he's died and somebody is now focusing on this accusation of sexual assault right so is the point that okay because Kobe has done this or been accused of this in the past that he should have been cancelled people should not be memorializing him like what is your motivation to do that your motivation my understanding is to be like hold on you guys are crying about this guy but he did this awful thing but no one's talking about this awful thing that kobe did okay but when you talk about memorialization do you mean then that you pick and choose what you memorialize basically is what you're saying it's not about picking or choosing what you memorialize as individuals we acknowledge 
that we're nuanced we acknowledge that we're complicated mm-hmm. right but people don't acknowledge that other people are nuanced and complicated mm-hmm. right when you have a personal connection to something or when it's you or when you can relate to it people can see the nuances in a situation but when it's a bit more abstract it becomes simple and i feel like this kobe situation is not simple she didn't give any context she was just like oh i'm gonna post this article about kobe so you guys don't forget but also what she did in that moment was shine a light for victims of sexual assault who maybe have to relive things like this on a regular basis where again as i said we look to deify people after they've passed away and maybe in that moment yeah maybe it was poorly thought out and maybe if she could do it again she wouldn't but equally it becomes a conversation where she took a moment to also speak to the victims of sexual assault globally and there were multiple channels as well who posted sexual violence instagrams and twitters and things like that who posted check on any survivors that you know today because today will be triggering for them and perhaps she didn't do that in a graceful way she did it objectively quite clumsily but she did it and it's interesting that the person who wrote that article yes it was three plus years ago whatever has received almost no backlash but a woman who is a victim of sexual assault. But it wasn't assault. about the article. That's the point I'm making. That's why this person hasn't received a backlash because this is in the public domain. We all know about the sexual assault allegations and the case. I don't think that we People's do. People's reaction. Yeah, maybe people who don't know anything about Kobe. Like you said, it's not in your sphere of influence, so you won't. But like people who are in that space know. Like I know about it. This lady, she knows about it. Like it's something in pop culture. If you follow basketball and if you know who Kobe Bryant is, this was mm-hmm. like very, very well documented. The story was absolutely huge. So people are not saying that they have an issue with this information that's in the public domain. People had an issue with the fact that it was posted so quickly. That's why that, people people are not going fair. back to every journalist who's written about Kobe Bryant and the sexual assault. It's an important conversation as well then to extend about sexual assault and about sexual violence because actually what it demonstrates is that you can be a good man who has a good marriage and is a good father and does his bit to create a legacy and does his bit to pay it forward and you can still have done bad things or done not good things and I think that that's almost as important as the rest of it because it means that we need to further the conversation about consent and what that looks like and this idea that every rapist or every sexual assailant or bad person is hiding down an alleyway with like his face hidden and he's holding a knife is something that we need to stop proliferating basically he can have been a good person who didn't do a good thing am I saying that the journalist was right in doing what she did I can't speak to that but there is more to him than a glossy picture and his right as a human is to have people discuss all of it yeah I believe I agree and the kind of blind idolatry of celebrity culture is something that is like and I don't mean to sound condescending I know that I do but it's something that is perplexing to me and I I don't think with the Kobe situation specifically because it's something I've followed very closely and I've watched a lot of coverage and I wouldn't say that it's been blind 
idolatry no i'm not saying that journal from a journalism perspective it has been i think that from a kind of social media perspective in the same way that people always do this when a celebrity dies i think people do this when people die especially if they die people in a do time. This when people die. you don't think when people die that that the family don't sit around and remember the good times i'm not talking about family i'm talking about people who are not family i haven't seen anything about the 81 or so people who have died from the coronavirus there's no like yeah but that's not the same thing but you just said it was no my i'm saying that people remember i don't know any of those people that have died from the coronavirus i don't know any of them you know of him you know of him exactly so you know of someone if i knew if it was a colleague i've had people who like their loved ones have passed away and i have felt really bad for them yeah of course because there is a connection there like i've been like oh my gosh i can't believe this person lost their wife lost their child like those things do affect me as a person the coronavirus is a bit moved far away from me because i'm not from china so and I don't know anyone, but if I heard a personal story, I would probably feel bad for that person. Of so course. my point I'm making is that when people die, people tend to remember the good times if they have a connection with that person. It's not just celebrities. Like if you're if someone you know dies, do you sit there and remember the bad things? Well, it depends on what bad. It depends on how bad they me. are. But like, I don't think that that's just like oh, it's about celebrities. I think there is a human tendency to to remember good times it's like sometimes even with an old relationship you can remember the good times but maybe it wasn't as good as you remember no i i agree with you there but i obviously do also think that the deification of celebrity culture and social media in tandem with that means that this gets kind of extrapolated to a whole other level and i can only speak personally as you've said i feel sad when i hear a sad story if i see somebody else upset it does upset me but i haven't cried about a celebrity passing away ever that's just maybe that's just me i was very upset when princess diana passed away we went to uh, put flowers in kensington gardens when princess diana passed away really? like that was really huge i don't think i cried and i don't think i've cried when a celebrity's passed away but i don't know if you know who nipsey hustle is yeah like i know people that cried when nipsey hustle passed away like people i know cried and you guys can google it like i can't explain like every every pop culture (laughs) reference sorry but i think people impact people in different ways yes absolutely but i guess the point is that it's worth remembering that people are human and that people can make human mistakes i don't think that people are a reflection of their worst day or their best days. Yeah. I think it's all of the little moments in between. The person who can speak to that best is going to be Vanessa Bryant, who has lost her husband, who has lost her child. This particular woman had the misfortune of maybe being too quick to tweet. I'm not on Twitter. I find it, as you said yourself, a very toxic place. But maybe you think that you're going to be the person who brings this back into the public sphere. Maybe you think that the reaction you're going to get is going to be different. Yeah, I think maybe in the age, like in a Me Too era, like she thought that people were going to be like, you go, girl. Yes. High five. Like mm-hmm. People were just not. People were really just not. I think that no. maybe her employer took it too far and then people had a bit more sympathy for her. But I think like that initial tweet, the thing it was is, very off. Regardless of wherever you fall on that initial tweet, like let's let's agree and say that it was too quick. If I found out I was with the type of person, like if I turned around and I said, oh, you know, 
to my husband like did you hear about that Washington Post journalist and he said to me yeah so I tweeted her and said I'm gonna fucking kill you no, I can't but those imagine. are trolls. I mean, they're you trolls. But you know what I mean? Like trolls. that exists. That is a subculture that exists yeah, in the society in which we live. Yeah, but they're trolls. Like you probably, well, I don't know. Like I oh don't God, think I that hope I hope not. I know have a personal relationship with a troll. I hope not. But realistically, like no one is saying that that do. behavior is justified. I'm not saying that you are saying it is. Either, no, I don't think anyone is saying it's justified. Is, but my point is. That is a universe in which we exist. That someone saw that tweet. And when we talk about people being triggered who you are can potentially... literally post, hi, I'm happy, and get death threats on Twitter. It's just but, that... <laughs> you know... It, 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 that's what Twitter is, you know, has become, unfortunately. Um, but it's interesting that we would be referring to this in the aftermath of our Royal Special, where we obviously spoke at length about the media coverage that... Meghan Markle had received and the vitriol mm. and the very conscious kind of bias there it's almost like paying lip service to woke culture quote unquote and what that looks like when you think about the BBC journalist who tweeted the picture of the couple with the chimpanzee and compared it to mm. Meghan Harry and Archie mm. losing but who's his being job woke and- here do you think that the journalist was being woke I, I- this is what I mean about paying lip service to woke. What what was your maybe was the desired outcome, as you said, in a Me Too era to be a bit like, well, I'm just reminding everyone this is at the forefront mm. of what we do. Is your intent the thing that matters here? When we look at the tweet about Archie being a chimpanzee, the intent is not pure there. Mm-hmm. However jovial you're trying to pretend that was in nature, the intent was not pure. Was this woman's intent pure? in terms of casting a light on victims of sexual violence and in her desire to do that she did something hurtful and callous to his wife of 20 years you know Mm. we we don't have the ability to do a deep dive on those motivations we can only speculate on them but is that the thing that differentiates one from the other I'm not really sure. I don't think they're like for like. No, of um, course not. But in the broad strokes, a journalist tweeting something that they think is going to get a different reaction than it than it does. Yeah, and because I'm sure losing that, their job or being yeah, placed on I'm leave. I'm sure that I don't even know that guy. Some British national treasure. I know English guy. I don't even what's his name. Oh, do you know what? I actually don't. I don't even know I actually that don't guy. Know. He was, was old just, school. That was the first time I'd ever mm. seen that man in my life. I don't know who he was. But um, yeah, I'm sure when he posted baby Archie like as a chimpanzee, he thought that he was going to get a high five. Yeah. Oh, good one. <laughs> All over um, yeah. Twitter. But I think it's interesting in terms of like the paying lip service to woke. And I, I think in the media, I've noticed that there is a backlash against woke. Mm-hmm. And I think that, you know, if we look at this Kobe Bryant situation, perhaps it was woke of her maybe yeah. to, to post this, right? In that moment. But it's like, sometimes the woke people take it a bit too far if she's the woke person in this context sometimes the woke people take it too far and what's happening is there's there's now this backlash Mm -hmm. there's something brewing yeah i definitely think that there's something brewing yeah i don't know if you caught wind of any of the lawrence fox stuff that what did he act in I feel like I know his know face, what? but I don't know what he was in. I don't know, but I another... saw people saying this online and then being like, oh, well, you obviously haven't seen very much. I know that he was married to Billy Piper. 
Oh, right. Okay. She's Which, obviously not woke. No, well, she's <laughs> not ain't married to him anymore. So maybe she is. Maybe she is, yeah. But, but this guy, Lawrence what? Lawrence Fox. Yeah, so Lawrence Fox said he doesn't date women. Woke women, sorry. It, the thing that was really interesting to me, I saw basically a byline of this and hadn't heard anything about it. But Lawrence Fox is a British actor. He was on a show called Question Time where, as Juliet says, it got brought up and he said he doesn't date woke women. He's broken up with women before because they were woke. It was interesting because part of the reason that this conversation topic opened up to him is that he was talking about the film 1917, which is out in cinemas at the moment. I haven't seen it. But basically it's a war film and one of the characters in the film is Seek and Lawrence Fox starts to go off on one talking about how it's just again always kind of virtue signaling oh we're gonna have a a Sikh man in this in this film about World War Two anyway someone interjected and was like well Sikh soldiers did fight on behalf Mm. of the British Empire in Mm. World War Two anyway Unfortunately, the door had been opened for him to then be like, well, I hate woke people. And what I found really depressing... But this is something I'm seeing in the media a bit. Sorry to cut you off. Mm. Because um, this issue that he had because there's a Sikh in a World War Two film. So I think someone very senior at the BBC is stepping down. Are you following that? No, I've not seen yeah, that. Yeah, and then like in the Telegraph, they were saying how middle management of the BBC are too woke. And they're fed up of seeing oh, interracial relationships on the BBC. No. And saying that it's like not organic and saying like they're putting like people of colour in. forcing it down our throats. They're forcing it, <laughs> forcing us to see non-white people on TV. They wow. said especially they're fed up of the person of colour uh, wife of a police officer. So like the Indian <laughs> wife. <laughs> Of a police officer <laughs> in every BBC drama, or the Indian no. girlfriend. Oh my god, that is so funny! And I was like, "Wow, that, okay." Because I I watched the BBC and I'm like, I don't see them as particularly woke or particularly diverse. <laughs> um, what I watched recently that I found really really great is Sex Education. I haven't watched that, and it oh, keeps coming up on my oh, Netflix. Oh yeah, you need to watch it. Have okay. you seen season one? No, no, okay, I've not seen any it. of it. You, I, it's a, it's, you need to watch it. Okay. Um, uh, we just watched season two on the weekend. Absolutely epic. Okay. And when you talk about, you know what, we need to like teach consent. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, they're just doing that in a show. It's right. very diverse. So I'm like, this show is going to be an electric shock to like a Telegraph. Somebody reads the Telegraph. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because it's just like incredibly diverse. I think it's amazing. Like, I feel it would have been so nice to be a teenager and have had a show show like this to watch epic epic love it so it's interesting that you know people are saying that's why i say there's a backlash against woke and i'm thinking what does woke actually mean so if you have an indian wife does that make you that makes you woke well it's funny because i never really watched friends and i think i must be the only person of my no i was gonna say only white person because white people love friends (laughs) so much i i just haven't really seen that many episodes of it but David Schwimmer had an interview or something recently. I think he's quite woke. Well, this is what the, the interview was about. Because basically one of the critiques that Friends faces as a show is that six white people living in New York City, absolutely zero diversity, whatever. And he said that he pushed very hard for diversity on the show, which is why two of his girlfriends who had recurring kind of guest spots were an Asian-American woman and an African-American woman. Mm. 
and you know it was something that he was always pushing for which is great for him to have done that and he he is very cognizant of and recognizes you know as a white heterosexual male like there is much i have to do to open the door for others there's a bit of i guess juxtaposition there between himself and lawrence fox where there's a backlash against woke but a quote like that from david schwimmer will generate a lot of clicks because people will be saying oh i always knew ross was the best character yeah, I think, first of all, people do say that Ross is the best character, but oh I think God. I don't think there's somebody who would appreciate somebody using their platform and their privilege to open the door for other people. Mm-hmm. And I don't think the people that would appreciate that would be part of this backlash. Actually, during the week, in the kind of immediate aftermath of this Lawrence Fox thing, I was reading the Metro, which is a free paper we get in London every morning on the... Or actually in the UK, I think, as a whole... And they were talking about basically loads of people had written in in response to Lawrence Fox appearing on Question Time. And everyone was going, finally, someone brave enough to speak the truth. And you just think, I had no idea that you were afraid to speak the truth. (laughs) I had no idea idea. Lawrence Fox had to liberate you guys so that you could all say, I hate woke people. Yeah, it's um the thing is, I've always been woke, always, even before it became trendy, <laughs> I was very, very woke. I came out of the womb very woke. Since I could discuss ideas, I was always woke. I was always challenging like the status quo, always very confused about how the world worked and I would always express it. And I was hated. Mm. People would be like, Oh my god, Jules, always talking about politics. Oh yeah. my god. Like it was not you know, when I was a teenager and when I was at university. It was not fun to, you know, we didn't even have the language. We didn't have intersectionality, right? We didn't have the language to, because it wasn't cool to discuss it. And I'm so happy now that there is a language, you know, there's a language like imposter syndrome, intersectionality, like all of these things are like new things. heteronormative, all of those things, they're so important. I was not woke, but I'm here on the, the blood, sweat and tears of people who were happy to educate me. And I actually, I was definitely one of those people who was um, not like other girls. Uh, what does that mean? I, I don't think it's as, as prevalent now, but certainly when I was growing up, there was a real desire to differentiate yourself from what you saw as quote unquote stereotypical girls. So I guess I'm just not that into makeup. Like other but, girls are stupid. But what were but, you into? Because if you weren't into mate, makeup, but if you weren't intellectually curious i was just hanging out with the boys what were you doing (laughs) like i don't get it but it's interesting because i remember then being in my late teens maybe early 20s and one of my cousins who works in the not-for-profit space was just talking about one of the organizations that she worked with saying that when she gets confronted with younger girls on their way up and they'll say things like I just don't really think we need feminism anymore. And her response was like, oh, honey. And I remember hearing her retell this anecdote to somebody else and thinking, I don't, am I? What is, what is feminism? So I don't think it's, if you, if you come out of the womb woke, you're very lucky. A lot of other people, it's a journey. But I think that you also have to be malleable and open to being educated about something that you might not otherwise know I, mean, I wouldn't about. say that you're lucky if you come out of the womb woke because first of all most people are not engaged with society mm-hmm. so it's definitely a vibe killer <laughs> for your friends yeah right if you're like 
talking about the world <laughs> and they're not interested. So I wouldn't say it's, I mean, I feel really privileged because I've got the information I need. Mm-hmm. I've got the intellectual curiosity that I need to make sure that I'm not taken advantage of. Right. Like I don't sit there and just like think everything's going to be fine. Mm-hmm. And that might just be like, I'm just not privileged enough to like sit there and just let the Being world ivory tower. go by. You know, yeah. I have a life where like I do need to challenge people mm-hmm. because there are too many people in my way. So I feel privileged in that sense, mm-hmm. but it's not, it was not cool before. And so now it's like a little bit cool. Like you get to have a podcast if you've got <laughs> ideas and that is cool. And I feel really, really like excited, like, you know, being around young people who. Oh God. Yes. Yeah, just don't have time for the status quo mm-hmm. anymore. Like I find that so refreshing. And so it's interesting that there is people that are against this, mm-hmm. but I'm just hoping that you know all these bold young people who are challenging ideas because young people have always been bold yeah it's but just it's like they grow up crushes them. no but it's like they grow up and then just become like well uh, <laughs> when you say that they their parents yeah it's true i hope that as i continue to grow older and i've had interesting conversations with my dad in particular about this where he said you just hope that you will continue to be happy to be educated but you know things will change in your lifetime that you never expect to to have to adjust to like for my dad growing up in just white catholic ireland and ireland is still very white and very catholic but just even the the fact that people have fallen away from the catholic church in his lifetime isn't something that he ever expected to to see maybe atheist being used as a common descriptor and I hope that as I grow up, the whatever changes they are, there are from a societal perspective, that I also can be that person who's like, wow, God, never thought that would change. But that that will be the extent of my feelings towards it. Like, I guess that this is what we're doing now. Mm, it's very know, difficult. In a positive say. way, yeah, obviously. I, I hope it's not. I think in this day and age, attitudes change so much quicker than they used to that's true so like if you think about like gay marriage and stuff like that you know i feel like the attitude what was acceptable which was the default position was a homophobic one yes yeah yeah, i feel about 10 years ago Mm -hmm. it was like people were just homophobic and i think now it's unacceptable yes it's true even when you think about how frequently so you need to adapt (laughs) yeah you can only hold off the tide for so long like no absolutely you have to be willing to like adapt or just stay in your village like over there in your bubble where you write into the metro and say thank goodness yeah. where where you all got to wear little lawrence fox badges yeah but i think it's <laughs> very liberator. very very dangerous especially when i think about the uk like even when we spoke about um megan and harry and i you know I, and i said you know i think it's a missed opportunity um for the royal family i think it's a missed opportunity for this country like when i think about the uk what is it that we're leading in mm-hmm. like we're not leading in like progressive values we're not leading in um sustainability we're yeah. not leading yes. in financial services anymore right mm-hmm. like it's actually shifting now like the london is is going further and further down the list mm-hmm. um in terms of uh, like global hubs for financial services because of brexit we're not leading in retail anymore I also think that things like Meghan and Harry will leave a 
a bitter taste in the mouths of people who might have otherwise been counted on to be tourists. Yeah. People you know, people will have seen how that played out on a global scale and think, oh, no, I'll go to British Columbia instead. Yeah, but it's already happening because if you think about, you know, before everybody wanted to come to the UK to study, mm. people really wanted to come to the UK. Now they're like... They don't care if they go to the UK <laughs> or not. There are other places. There are other schools. Like they, it's just mm-hmm. losing its uh, prestige. <laughs> I feel like being <laughs> British is losing its prestige. <laughs> don't you feel that way? Um, I am not British, so. But are I you think... not British? No, I'm. I'm oh. an Irish citizen. I've got an Irish passport. Um, and I don't have a British passport. Oh, you're or winning. Like that. Yeah, you're winning. Some. Well, I think now. It, in a kind of post-Brexit society, I'll probably go for the British passport Oh, you as need well, to naturalise, like, yeah, for sure. Yeah. You have to collect passports wherever you go. <laughs> you absolutely have to collect passports wherever you go. I don't get why people don't... I know. Um, I just... ...naturalise if they can, and then they just wait. I know, and I, I, you're absolutely right. I just kind of never, never got round to it, but... It is interesting. I, I can see what you're saying, and I guess what I'd say is I do feel a lot of pride in being Irish when we do something well mm. when we did the the marriage equality referendum when we did the the abortion legislation referendum i was very like do, do, do. i'm irish i don't know if you've heard <laughs> blah 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 we're the first country in the world to put same sex or marriage equality to a referendum and it passed so yeah i think the no ireland is killing it uk needs a ireland's doing really well a pr drive like that really oh gosh i was watching the news the other day and um boris was talking about what he was talking about and his teeth are really crooked yeah and i'm like wow people in the uk actually have very bad teeth teeth <laughs> so i'm like we're not what is going on here but also it's almost like a status thing no to no have i really teeth. no no no. i really yeah perhaps because i really try to take care of my teeth my husband is not from the uk and he has beautiful, he does beautiful teeth. teeth he does he is beautiful like I have grown up in the UK and just have way too many fillings. And I think that's because I've grown up here. And then I've had to spend like the last few years like correcting all of that. Oh my God. And then I'm like, wow, but look at Boris, you know, he doesn't care about his teeth. No, but this is what I mean about I look at people I work with thing. and I'm like, you don't have nice teeth. The royal family have bad teeth. <laughs> so bad. I mean, I love Prince Harry, but he does not have Oh, does like, he not have good teeth? He has okay teeth, but it's almost... No, he, but you're showing off. Boris's teeth are actually. I know, yellowed, yellow, and, and, and like sharp. Oh, vile, <laughs> very bad. Ugh. <laughs> and but you think all of that money going to Eton and everything Ooh. like that? He's left his teeth like that deliberately. Oh, so bad, so bad. So, bad. so oh, I bet his breath stinks. Uh, who, Boris? Yeah. Oh no, Boris' breath smells absolutely. Definitely. When I was watching him on the news, I was like, mate. You don't you brush your stink. teeth twice a day. He doesn't brush his tongue. <laughs> yeah, that, I feel like that's almost like a first date question. Do you brush awful, your tongue? Awful, awful. So it's now. like, do you remember? I remember seeing ages ago a tweet being like, "Your man crush Monday doesn't wash his feet. He just lets the water run over them and thinks that counts." But isn't and that I a haven't slept thing? since. Mate, I feel like I've asked almost everyone I know that question since I saw that tweet because I can't think that people are actually not washing their feet physically. In Apparently, the shower. there's a group of people that don't. Oh. wash their feet oh. I, don't, I don't wash their legs I'm really all wash about from the all about hygiene down. all about hygiene I was very traumatised because my eczema was flaring up years ago years ago a long time ago and I went to the doctor and he was like mm, maybe you're showering too much 
Because <laughs> I shower twice a day. Same. Winter, summer, it doesn't matter. Summer, I shower three twice times a day. probably, exactly. right? I'm like, about that shower life. And I then showered I said, before I came here this evening. <laughs> <laughs> I said, okay, Doc, what would you recommend? No, said, don't. He said, mm, uh, two to three times a week. <clears throat> you should shower. Sick. He said to me, two to three times a week. No. This is what a doctor said to me in the United Kingdom. Any doctors listening, please feel free to clarify We have a few that. doctors actually who listen to our podcast, right? To be honest, even if they all got in touch and said, yeah, two Ooh. to three times, no, I still imp- wouldn't, impossible, I wouldn't be able to Impossible, do it. impossible, impossible. And so I'm very interested in seeing how things go because I'm very <laughs> <Yeah>. concerned. <laughs> I feel no prestige anymore. I used to feel a lot of prestige and a lot of pride, but it's all gone down. I think that some of the people who are pushing this are of the old school. Well, when I felt a lot of pride, it was back in the old days where it was Britain were basically a, a colonizer. And so the people who... Oh, Britain's about to be colonized by China. 5G <laughs> built by Huawei, baby. China is coming. <laughs> woo, woo. When so... I saw that, I was like, oh, okay. Hey, real question. You guys for are a voting second. for Brexit. Britain is being colonized by China. Are we worried about 5G? Because I don't, I'm, I personally am not, but sometimes I see things and then I think, oh shit, is this something else that I'm supposed to People be? People are about? worried about the infrastructure being built by the Chinese oh, because gosh, they are, okay. they'll control the network. Okay. But so the UK it's not like brain has no technology. No, it's not about that. Okay, it's about. Thanks cyber security right because it's not about you know in in 2020 when you think about war it's not about guns Guns and like people fighting like the 1917 movie it's about cyber security like cyber attacks and so if the chinese build the network they basically could compromise your network right right and so the u.s are like saying to the uk like china cannot build your 5g network UK has, has no option really because we don't have the expertise in yeah. this country and so they're saying that they're giving the Chinese the permission to build the 5G network and so it's so interesting because people are sitting there missing the good old days and it's like the UK <laughs> the has no days. power no leverage and they're not you're either going to be China's bitch or the US's bitch that's it Oy. those are the options god maybe I won't get my British those passport. are the <laughs> options for you <laughs> Leave voters. <laughs> well, there's the options the option for the Remain voters for you. as well. Leave voters. My husband is French, baby. And I'm about <laughs> to be French too. My husband is French and Canadian. So nice. I got visas and passports. Visas and passports are coming. Uh, it doesn't work that way for an Irish passport, unfortunately. No. Oh, so your husband can't get an Irish passport? No, we have to live in Ireland for three years before that would be allowed to happen. Okay, yeah. But uh, <laughs> but that's because we've got a population of about 5.5 million and a diaspora of about 90 million. So <laughs> there, I think that the Irish government are trying like, to put oh lid on shit, it. let's roll it back a little bit. Trying here, to so. put a lid. It's so interesting. <laughs> it's too late. The horse has bolted. Ooh. You've got like almost 100 million. <laughs> Guys, in this day and age, it's like, it's just immigration stuff is like so crazy mm-hmm. um and i don't know if i'm being like harsh when i think about you know where the uk is and you know the future and i don't know if i'm being harsh or if yeah. like or if that is the reality of the situation if this is the reality which i think is the reality like if it's so bad that you're going to let the chinese build your network 
Like you have no expertise. Yeah, that's true. Oh God, what a depressing note to finish on. Although I think a lot of this episode was quite heavy in theme. Guys, life is heavy. <laughs> Sometimes you're going to have heavier episodes, guys. Life is, life is heavy. I hope you're not listening to this podcast to relax. <laughs> <laughs> Woo, would not recommend it. We got to temper the fluff of the royal special with the grit of real the, life. The realities of real life, which is China is coming. <laughs> <laughs> That's the reality. Okay. Um, Just get used to it. As ever, we can't wait to hear your feedback. Thank you for listening. Follow um, us on at Jules Phoebe on Instagram. You can also find us on Jules and Phoebe on Facebook and yeah please let us know your thoughts um please follow please rate review and subscribe we're on spotify we're on acast we're on apple podcasts and we are on soundcloud amazing thanks so much guys bye, bye.